Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor Mark Demko. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We are all bow hunting all the time, but today, Mr. Demko, we're a little bit of target shooting too. Spooky Nook, uh, hundreds of the top shooters from no, not only thousands, a, thousands from not only across the country but even around the globe. It's pretty amazing to see everybody step up to that line. The largest indoor archery tournament in the East, and we come over here, Mark, because there's always interesting folks to find and interview, like the guest for this segment. Benton Christensen from the great state of Idaho, a longtime uh, tournament shooter, but uh, probably more importantly, at least to us, a hardcore bow hunter and a guy who just loves getting after it, getting out there in the field and looking forward to catching up with you today, Benton. Oh, thank you for having me. How, uh, I guess we should start out this way. How was the fall? It was fun and exciting. We, uh, I, I'm really fortunate. I get a hunt with my kids, and we get a hunt a lot close to home. And but it, we'll throw in an extra adventure here and there. And like this past fall, I was able to go on a moose hunt in Canada, just um, a couple hours north of Edmonton, and I got a nice Canadian moose. How nice! Oh, I have not scored it. It's about 35 inches wide, good palms. I don't know. It was, it was a fun trip. And when, when did you say that was? That was the first part of October. Okay. Was it cold? No, they said it was really unusually warm. It, we only had frost a couple of mornings. I was there for six days and it was unusually warm. They said it kind of limited the activity a little bit the the week before they had some hunters in camp and um, they said the moose were a lot more vocal a lot more active the week before when it was quite a bit colder but I was lucky enough my guide we spotted a bull it's kind of funny uh, you cover a lot of ground um, calling and glassing and and we had set up and called and sat for a while in glass and hadn't seen anything and we ended up moving down this big pipeline clear cut and set up again and was calling and my guide turned around and a bull had come out right where you know we'd see about a half mile away where we'd just been set up calling and so we tried to get the wind right and got back close and he called him in and i shot him at 38 yards that's good that's good that's a relatively close shot and uh Seems like that's the way it often goes in bow hunting, though. You prepare for those really long shots, but a lot of times it's not really all that far. Yeah, that was, I don't know, <laughs> it was fun. And it, I, he was a lot closer than that a couple of times, but just brush and whatnot in the way. And I couldn't get a shot because he was less than 20 a couple of different times. And But, yeah, when I finally got a shot, he was 38 and... And I'm glad they're big because I missed the yardage by a little bit. And I hit him low, but went right through the heart. And he probably went 40 yards and <laughs> tipped over. Yeah, what kind of a broadhead were you using? Um, I have used the G5 Montex for several years. Okay. Did the trick. Yeah. it's They've, I don't know, 
been great for me. I, I, I can't say enough good about them. They've been fantastic heads. I've killed a lot of animals with them. And and you're a you're a prime shooter. Obviously, he's here. You can't see Benton like we can, <laughs> but he's rocking Kuyu. He's rocking the Kuyu pants, and he's got his shooter's shirt from G5 and Prime. And uh, so, what what uh, model of uh, bow were you hunting with? Um, a Revex um, Revex Four. I I don't know. They Prime is been really good to me the last I think probably eight or nine years I've shot for them um, can tell you lots of stories about that but they've they make a fantastic bow I've shot I'm getting old and it just seems like every bow I get I shoot better and better with so <laughs> well I tell you what they are this isn't new but you know it's going back five six maybe seven years now when they first came out with like that swerve riser and they did they were set up at the ata one year with the laser pointers mm -hmm. on the riser and just seeing how much steadier those bows wanted to hold on target than some of the competitors they are really good aiming bows yes they're fantastic and like i said i don't know i can't pinpoint anything specific about them but like i said every year i get a new bow and it just seems like i shoot them better and better they've been great <laughs> and mark you were wanting to say something i don't know if it was about the weather or what well, a couple of things that came to mind while while you were talking benton one of them was i was up in uh alberta elk hunting this past fall and it was ridiculously warm it was mid-september and it was over 70 degrees every day and they were saying how atypical it is but i wanted to ask you that that moose you got was that your first moose or have you gone before um that was no it's my second moose i actually drew a shirus moose tag in idaho idaho where i live we have shirus moose and um it's a once in a lifetime tag and i was able to draw a tag in 95 and shot a, a pope and young moose about mm, half an hour drive from my house <laughs> we can't do that in pennsylvania here mark no no can't. moose population is extremely low <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not very high in Idaho. Your odds of drawing a tag are pretty slim. I was, like I said, I was really lucky to draw that tag. There's no point system. Um, it's just a random draw every year. And like I said, I was lucky enough to draw that tag. So that's the that was my first moose, and then this one this past fall was my second one, first Canadian one. I'd like to go again at some point in time. That was a good trip. I enjoyed my. I enjoyed myself up there. That was a good trip. The outfitter took good care of us. Who did you hunt with? Um, Wayne Zaft. Wayne Zaft Outdoor Adventures, I think. Um, he had great guides. Uh, we saw several moose. I mean, it was everything I could have dreamed of. <laughs> did you beef up your your arrow setup or your poundage or anything particular because you were going after moose no <laughs> but I, I don't know i shoot a gold tip kinetic chaos arrow which is not a i mean it's not a super heavy arrow but it's a fairly heavy arrow um and i have shot 60 pounds for hunting for years and years and years and years and years and a lot of that has to do with the tournament side of stuff because 
you know, I some of the like all the USA archery stuff, um, which I haven't shot a lot of that the last couple of years, but for a lot of years with my daughters traveling, we shot a lot of the USA archery stuff and they have a 60 pound max. And so, you know, I shot 60 pounds all summer and when it come time to hunt, that's what I hunted with and I can draw it comfortably. And I have killed a lot of stuff with a, <laughs> yeah, well, four, I mean, yeah, 430 grain arrow at 60 pounds. <laughs> very similar to my setup. I actually, you know, a handful of years ago, most of the bow manufacturers started to come out with the 65-pound limb option. Mm -hmm. So I've been shooting 65 the last few years, but honestly, for you know 20 years before that, I was shooting 60 or 62, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it maxed out at with a 60-pound limb set. And you know, and most of my hunting arrows are about in that same range as yours, you know, 425, 430. Um, I haven't chronographed you know, all my current setups, but historically, you know, you're getting about 275, 280 feet per second, you know, real world, yeah. you know, speed. And there's a lot of, a lot of stuff there, you know, we're talking about with arrows and, and broadheads and speed. And, and I have worked in an archery shop part-time for since 1988 <laughs> and so you know i've seen a lot of things heard a lot of things tried a lot of things and in idaho until recently we could not use expandable broadheads we had to use fixed blade broadheads and i can tell you lots of stories spent a lot of time shooting them um around the 270 feet per second range with a fixed blade broadhead is decent and if you get over that speed with a fixed blade broadhead everything has to be perfect it's, it's not like you can't shoot a fixed blade broadhead faster than that but it it just that 270 range just they shoot good and yep. anyway like well so, you're fighting you're fighting the surface area mm -hmm. and the physics and everything becomes more finicky mm -hmm. at that point and that's why, like, I mean, it's completely changing the subject, and we're not going to go down the rabbit trail, but think about some of these new crossbows that are shooting 500, yeah, feet, 500 per feet per second. I mean, I wouldn't really think about trying to screw anything but, like, the most compact yeah, mechanical awesome. head you can on the end of that thing because that's going to be extremely critical, mm -hmm. you know, to any kind of surface area. So you mentioned, you know, the tournament shooting, and obviously, gosh, I mean, you've been a tournament shooter for longer than – I've been around probably the sport, so you'll have to tell me. But I mean, you've been doing this since you were a pretty young guy, right? Yeah, I I hunted with a gun when I was a teenager, but I never bought my first bow until I was probably 22, 23 years old, something like that. And part of that's because I had a roommate at college that was a bow hunter, and I went out with him a few times and thought that was pretty neat so you know my archery stuff started out bow hunting and I bow hunted for a couple of years and was practicing in my yard one time and a guy drove by and stopped and says you should come join the archery club you know seeing me shooting and so I come went and joined the archery club okay I gotta back up because I want more <laughs> details on some of this so first of all where'd you go to school college uh the College of Southern Idaho in Twin Falls. I went through the welding program. And what's the mascot there? 
Golden Eagles. Got to give a shout. See, I wanted to give a shout out to the Golden Eagles. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, the archery club, you got to tell me like what archery club this was. Cause uh, it's like, it's like nostalgia. You know, somebody out there is going to be like, Oh, I used to be a member. I knew a guy who was a member of this archery yeah, club. Bear River Archers in Preston, Idaho. Bear River Archers. See that? Okay. So this guy, and who was this guy? Uh, his name was Tom Edwards. Um, and he, probably lived about six blocks away from me and I, I didn't know I, him I, I didn't know him really and just um, like I said he just seen me shooting in the yard one day and stopped and you know introduced me himself and invited me to shoot with the club and so I joined the club and started shooting a little bit and went to a couple of tournaments with him and was reasonably successful and i don't know I, he says reasonably successful i bet you he won mark yeah I've, i think that's what he means <laughs> i you know that's you know a little bit of history there that was you know late 80s and shot some local stuff and took the plunge into the big time in 93 that was the first year i went to las vegas shot the vegas tournament it was in 1993 so i've got about 30 of them under my belt now <laughs> wow and what's uh what's the best finish that you've posted in vegas so um as a younger pro i shot a 900 once and made the shoot off and i think i finished 11th that year there's probably 15 of us in the shoot off and i think if memory serves me right i think i finished 11th that year and then um as a senior pro i've finished second twice that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Senior. And how old do you have to be to be a senior? 50. Oh, I'm a senior now, Mark. So are you. Yeah, absolutely. We could we could sign up and get our asses kicked by Benton. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an honor? And and you're 52, right? Uh, I turned, yeah, I'm 60 now. <laughs> There's nowhere to go after senior, though. They don't go to geezer's class after that. No, well, not the more seasoned category. They, yeah, they have, a, like, NFA has a uh, silver senior pro class. Um, how, old, how old do you have to be for that? 60. Oh, so, yeah. So are you going to go go to that? Well, not in the near future, I don't think, <laughs> because of, of contingency. The, the thing there is, you know, this is not a cheap sport. <laughs> and travel and entry fees and whatnot. So um, there's you, you got to plan strategically and like I've had a, a, a full-time job and at least one part-time job and as many as three part-time jobs over the last 30 years to pay for this nasty habit yeah so you have to have so you have to have three jobs just yeah. to, just to chase a few winnings on yeah. the on the yeah I mean so, that that's the thing I mean people don't well I think people do maybe realize like there's some pretty good money in this, but it's all concentrated at the very top, isn't it? Yeah. You, you really have to be one of the, yeah. the top handful of men or women going because even, you know, at like in, in the seniors or whatever, I mean, you don't really make a king's ransom even if you place in these tournaments. No, and there's a big drop off from first to second and from second to third. You know, I mean, in the senior pro class with contingency and stuff, they're masters pro here. Um, contingency, 
uh, if I was to win, I'd probably get close to 10,000 bucks. And you've um, spent, by the time you get back home, you probably have at least three in travel expenses, <laughs> right? Oh, well, depending on how you do it, you got to strategically plan. And so I've got, I brought a couple of friends with me. So we're splitting a room three ways and we're splitting, splitting um, a rental car three ways. And so, yeah, I'll, but even that with entry fees and airfare, it's going to be over 1500 bucks, probably close to 2000 for one tournament. And, you know, like Vegas next weekend, the entry fee and hotel and stuff is we, and we, that's one of the big tournaments that we can drive to. It's about a nine hour drive for me, but you know, that's still even driving, you know, that's another $1,500 tournament. And, you know, and then I, so, 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 so let me ask you this. <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. <laughs> Do you think about the money? Because obviously you love tournament shooting. Mm -hmm. You love bow hunting. Do you actually come to these events and think, man, I need to win enough to break even on being here or do you just come and say, Hey, I just want to shoot my best, have fun. And if I win, I win, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, some of that mentally, if it could drag you down and I think, you know, fortunately I say I, I've worked a lot and I get, you know, say, you know, save and travel, you know, try to plan strategically that way and so i think a long time ago i thought you know i i that's not what i need to worry about to be successful and so yeah i know it costs a lot of money but i've prepared and covered for it before i ever got here <laughs> yeah how many tournaments on average you end up shooting a year oh as far as like big ones go um usually six or seven you know like i missed the iowa pro-am this year just kind of a scheduling thing it wasn't going to work out but like the rushmore rumble i've shot the iowa pro-am several times um lancaster this is about my 10th year here um after lancaster we go to vegas um generally we have a few weeks off shoot some local stuff uh, i usually try to shoot the usa archery indoors somewhere in that period then louisville for the nfa um indoor nationals uh the dakota classic reading um i don't know where i lost count what six or seven really big ones that i have to travel for yeah what's your favorite oh This, uh, it's more kind of a, a regional tournament and it's called the Big Sky Open and uh, it's in Grand Junction, Colorado and they we've shot that for several years and then they kind of took a couple of years off and they put it back in last year they started it up again and it's scheduled again for this year. But it's a outdoor tournament where you shoot a V formation. So you shoot 20 to 65 yards in a v formation different size targets at different distances and it is a really i don't know that anybody's ever shot a clean score on it it's a challenging format and it's just a lot of fun and they do 
you know, novelty shoots with clay pigeons. Um, you know, you break a pigeon on your first arrow, you get so many points, you know, if you have to shoot a second arrow. And so you get to shoot a lot of arrows, and it's just they it's a fun tournament <laughs> it just, sounds like fun it is so fun yeah something unique so yeah if you yeah. anyway yeah want some entertainment look up the big sky open in, in grand junction colorado <laughs> i think it's scheduled for about the third weekend in june this year if i remember right well there's your summer vacation mr demko absolutely we take a road trip out your way sort of yeah, it's, that's one we can drive to. It's about a seven-hour drive probably from Preston. But it's, like I said, it just the format is great. The people that run it are great. It's <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. So you obviously have a, a lot of bows, right? And you have bows set up specifically for target shooting and specifically for bow hunting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's your advice for the guy or girl who's in there shooting in their backyard like you were way back in the day when, was it Ed? Um, Tom, Tom Edwards. When Tom Edwards stopped yeah. and said, hey, why don't you come, you know, give this a try. I mean, what's your advice to somebody who may be like, yeah, maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm a bow hunter. Maybe I want to get my toe dipped into that tournament water. and uh... um, Try to find a local club. And that's one thing that we struggle with every year. Well, you know, I, work in the archery shop in Preston part-time and we'll get people in. I try to convince them to come shoot in the ar archery club with us. No, I'm not good enough. The whole point is we all started. <laughs> you just got to start. And I can't stress enough just the thing, if you get in and actually shoot arrows, most people sh practicing on their own don't shoot enough arrows to develop consistency and good form to be successful. And if you get into a club, um, they may not have a world-class shooter, but they're going to have somebody there that's decent, shot some arrows, and if they've been in the club for a very long time, they'll be willing to help you. <laughs> and um, you just can't – I can't stress that enough. You know, get in where you actually have a reason to go shoot and you, you actually shoot enough arrows to develop consistency and form. And – it's, I don't know, you, you get out of it what you put into it. Um, I don't think there's any shortcuts, but it's, I don't know, entertainment well, value. <laughs> well, I, I like what he said, Mark. You know, there's always, uh, everyone's heard the story about the bear. You know, if, if you, like Mark, if you and I are out, you know, we see a grizzly bear and he decides he wants to eat one of us. I don't have to be faster than the grizzly bear. I only have to be faster than you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and Benton kind of touched on that because he's like, hey, you know, if you go to your local archery club, you know, they may not have, uh, Levi Morgan might not be a member there, right? So if you want to go shoot the 3D range at the local archery club, you may not be shooting against a, you know, 13 or 15 or however many world championships he has at this point. But there's probably some guy there who can still wipe your butt. You know what I mean? Out there on that course. And that's all you need. And then when you get good enough that you can beat that guy, then you can go find mm. a different club or a bigger shoe. It's like climbing the ladder, yeah. you know, iron sharpens iron. And, and to your point, like you're going to get more out of it. You're going to improve faster when you're not in a vacuum. You know, we can mm. all stand in our backyard in a vacuum and we hit plateaus or we struggle, but sometimes it just takes 
somebody else who's like, hey, I just noticed something or maybe you want to try this and, and you know, it, it can get you over that hump. Yeah, and the feedback is just absolutely invaluable. You obviously can't diagnose everything yourself, but when you have other people who can critique and help you and provide tips, it's really a great learning experience. Yeah, um, and the archery, archery community is just great. And, I mean, being here, you're meeting lots of people, but there, it's like that everywhere. Everybody is friendly, happy, would love to help you <laughs> and like I said you know there's entertainment value I uh, I tell everybody I'm a druggie I'm addicted to d adrenaline and but I'm also a coward you know I get the same adrenaline rush standing online shooting for ten thousand dollars as somebody else might you know on a motorcycle track or something but I'm not gonna bust a leg <laughs> yeah well the question is do you still get the same adrenaline rush you know, at the local club, you know, shooting for the championship there as you do, you know, at the and, Lancaster Archery Classic or whatever. You, you, maybe not to that great of an extent, but there's guys here that come with me. I mean, we shoot for milkshakes, and you stand there and you shake and you, and you miss and it, you swear a few times. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't know. Like I said, there's a lot of entertainment value in it, and um, – if you enjoy what you're doing, you know, it's worth all the money you put into it. And like I said, it's not a, a cheap sport. I understand that. But and another thing is, is if you want to, with archery, there's lots of different games. And if you want to be successful, you know, maybe save a little bit of money and buy another bow and set it up for a specific, you know, indoor setup or whatever, or a specific 3D setup. Because there's... I mean, I don't know there's lots of fantastic equipment out there but if you if you want to be successful set up to play the game that you want to be successful at and I'm not going to say you can't be successful shooting the same bow you know different setup or you know in different formats but um, I think you know personally I think you're going to be more successful if you set up something specific for a specific game that you're going to play you know there's, there's lots of different archery games and um it's like I said, it's, there's a lot of entertainment value, and yeah, it can be a money pit sometimes. But I don't know. I've been archery's been good to me. My I've been blessed. My my kids, both of my daughters, um, when they were little, they just wanted to shoot, and we we've been all over the world. <laughs> you know, most people look forward to retirement and traveling and seeing the world and i tell everybody i already traveled and saw the world so i'll never be able to retire <laughs> but you know i did it with my kids and we just i don't know it's it's been great well let me ask you this uh as as a passionate bow hunter and as a pretty accomplished tournament archer what do you think is something that the average bow hunter could do or maybe should do or or is reluctant to do if you're just like man if more people would do this or this is something i learned you know from my tournament shooting and if more people would you know x or y is it a piece of equipment is it something to do with form is there something that jumps out in your head where you really feel like 
maybe people are missing the boat and you're like, hey, if I had a piece of advice, this is what I'd say. I think the most important thing would be to join a local club. You just, there's, I don't know, lots of opinions on equipment and lots of opinions on form. Um, the My opinion is, is you don't have to do it the right way. You just have to do it the same way. And if you, and you just don't do it on your own and join a club, you have a, you know, if they have organized activities, join the club, sign up for those activities. If it's an indoor league, um, 3D league, uh, whatever, sign up and shoot because archery is kind of a, well, like I, a lot of times I compare it to piano playing. I mean, you just, there's a lot of things that got to go right in order for your piano um, song to sound good and, and it's the exact same thing with archery you've got to do multiple things correctly over and over again to be successful and and you just don't do that in your backyard <laughs> you know you mentioned a couple of times in circle back to, to your hunting as well you mentioned your children and spending time with them and mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what you what you were doing when you're hunting close at home and spending time with your kids what we what were you targeting what's your favorite thing to target oh I don't know. We, <laughs> I said, I just, I've been blessed. My kids have been fantastic and they always just wanted to do that with me. And I put up before they were old enough to actually hunt themselves. I put up extra tree stands, <laughs> they, you know, they sat in tree stands with me and, 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 you know, took pictures and, you know, throw rocks at squirrels and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And, you know, and as they got older and were actually old enough to hunt, um, we just, you know, always planned, you know, hunting together, you know, what time to get out of school. We can, if I pick you up at this time, we can get here in time to hunt tonight. And um, just, I don't know. And I, I can't tell you how fortunate I am, you know, living where I'm at. You know, we've killed lots of deer and elk and some moose and, and just within, you know, most of them was within an hour, hour's drive of the house. And so, you know, a lot of people aren't that lucky. I mean, you can't pick up your kid after school and go hunt somewhere. And, for, you know, I've just been extremely fortunate that way. <laughs> so I, I, like I said, it's just, I've been really lucky that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Idaho, I don't know if you do mostly mule deer hunting or some whitetails too, but you've got pretty good hunting for both of those species out there. Yeah, um right where we're at it's on oh, i'm not going to say exclusively mule deer because there is an occasional whitetail that shows up every once in a while but um but yeah there's not too far from where we live a couple hour drive there's a decent whitetail population and the northern half of the state there's more whitetails than there are mule deer i mean there's yeah and like i shot a mountain goat probably a two and a half hour drive from the house it's you know uh, there's a reason <laughs> there's a reason mark that you very 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 seldom run into anyone from the west who moves east <laughs> especially if they're a bow hunter absolutely 100 percent true we always invite people to come deer hunting this way and most people politely pass or chuckle yeah and that's i don't know we uh i've went on a couple of uh 
paid trips hunting whitetails, so I've shot some whitetails. Um, but like I said, I just, I don't know, hunting with my kids has been great. <laughs> yeah, that is. It is great. It is great. Well, listen, man, I wish you the best. So you're shooting, what do you call it? It's the, it's the Masters Open? Yeah, the Masters Open Pro. So they have a Masters Open division and they have a pro division so i'm in the masters open pro how many guys in that class do you know i have not looked at the registration for this year i know that there's not a ton so our cut is only 16 and i think i've been out here about 10 years and i've made the cut every year except for last year <laughs> i had a sight problem and i missed the cut last year but so you're intending to be back in the the shoot off this year i hope so it's, yeah, it's not near as much fun being here when you only shoot one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, Benton, we, we wish you the best. Well, and you. Uh, anything else, Mr. Demkow? No, just good luck and enjoy your shooting experience. And thank you so much for joining us, Ben. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. All right, we're back here, Mr. Demko, at the Lancaster Archery Classic. Uh, one shooting line is wrapping up shortly. Another one's starting uh, at noon. And we just pulled two uh, of our favorite shooters over here because nothing like calming your nerves uh, 20 minutes before you go on the line, like coming on a podcast. So I've got Paige Pierce, uh, one of the most winningest uh, female archers in the game today, uh, a Bowtech shooter. Paige, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. And I have Paige's worst half. Uh, Tate Morgan, uh, now with Darton Archery. Congrats on yeah, the switch. Thank you. And he's not only shooting for Darton, but he's selling it now too. So you shops out there, if you need like 150 new Dartons, you shoot Tate an email. He'll have those things on I the will way. Get that done in a heartbeat if you send me a 150 bow order. You I might promise. Even walk off the shooting line. Put that order in. <laughs> well, that's because he doesn't win as much as you, Paige. So why don't we just start with her, Tate? Yeah, you, you can know, get, you can do her first. So in all seriousness, okay, you are the 2023 Lancaster Archery Champion. Yes. In the Women's Open Pro. Mm -hmm. And I assume that you're here to defend the title. Always. Always. <laughs> so, obviously, this, this tournament has a, a reputation. It's like the Vegas warm-up. But isn't it like a pretty cool tournament in its own right? Oh, it's awesome. They do a great job here. And this is such a unique format. We don't have another tournament like this. So, we're literally sitting here where we're going to be shooting the finals right now as we're doing this podcast. And to be up on the final, alternating, you know, you've got the lights, but the, the big change is that shoot up format. We don't do that anywhere else but here. Um, and I think they've done a really good job at like making this new format and then branding that. And, and obviously it's super successful. The turnout is always great. This is actually their 20th year anniversary. So it's a pretty cool year to be here. I think everything's a little bit more festive because of that. But no, this is a, this is, I would say, in my opinion, other than Vegas, like the biggest, most important indoor tournament that we shoot in the year. And you can walk away with some decent money here too. Like everyone knows Vegas is big, but you do pretty well here, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the tournament, I think for the women, I think it's like a $4,000 payout, but they did this really cool thing this year where in qualifying, if you shoot a 660, so you shoot all your arrows in the X-ring, um, I think they're paying like $50,000. 
And then if a couple people do it, they'll split it and they have that kind of broken down. So no one has done it yet. There's obviously still some archers to go today. Um, we've taken our bets on who we think is going to pull it off, but a few of them let us down already. But no, it's really cool. I mean, it's neat to see them doing that and to see money kind of coming back into archery. I remember P PJ from Lancaster Archie was saying that it's only been done like two or three times in the history of the tournament. So it's a great thing to strive for. Obviously, you're not focused on that, but if somebody does hit that perfect score, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, they won't be focused on it until about the last three ends. And if they're still clean, then they're yeah, going gonna to start focusing on it. If you're rolling hot till that 15, 16, 17 end, your ears are going to start burning. Yeah, for sure. You're going to start getting a little bit of butterflies. It's a lot easier to do it too. Like in our mind, this is kind of just qualifying normally. Like, yes, you have to make the cut. Yes, the score goes into the cumulative to qualify you for your placement in the final, but it's still kind of just qualifying. So then putting that 50 grand on that, I feel like puts so much more pressure on the people that are, and let's be honest, there's only a couple people out there that are really capable of doing it. For those people, I feel like it was a real um, up, up in the stakes. You know, for most people, it's just something to watch everybody hope that the good guys can make it happen. Well, you're, you're, ca you're capable of doing it. Yeah, I, I mean, I could. Like, I've shot 30x games. I shot a 30x game here last year, but I have not done two 30x's back-to-back -back in a competition. So Yeah, there's been some crazy scores shot already this year with the Rushmore Rumble having multiple guys shoot 30x's and 60, and Stefan shot 90, yeah. and then multiple guys shooting perfect 600s over in Nimes last week. So, like, there's a lot of guys who can do it, but in all those stages it was just leading to either a shoot-off or just a standard qualification round. Now you put that 50 grand on the line, qualification actually means something yeah. now. Like there's a whole different meaning to the shooting qualification round well, than I mean, it was before. Heck, you could say, if I can just do that and pocket the 50 grand, I don't really <laughs> care if I win. You know? I think if someone wins it, they won't even care about the rest of the weekend. <laughs> so let's do this, Paige, because I want to give you an opportunity. Obviously, you've been with Botech for a long time. Um, I'm a Botech fan from, from way back. Uh, they've put out a lot of new technology over the last several years. You know, the deadlock cam, the time lock, uh, probably a bunch of other things that yes. I can't think of right now. <laughs> I want to give you a chance to brag on it because the thing is, both of these folks, Mark, they're not just, again, like Benton, Paige and Tate are very serious bow hunters. And, um, you know, bow hunt, Botech's bringing a lot of this stuff to the bow hunting market as well. What are you shooting, you know, this year on the target side and the hunting side? So, okay. So right now I'm shooting the Gen 2 um, in the 36 with the medium cam. And for hunting, I'm going to shoot the Core SR. Um, I just like a little bit longer axle to axle on that. So that's kind of how I made that choice. But... One thing that's really cool about how Botech is doing this is we usually get to test the new technology on the target stuff before it gets put on the hunting bows. So for any bow hunter out there, you know, I know a lot of the times you see new technology and people are almost scared of it, right? They have that doubt, that wonder, is it going to be reliable? Is it going to work? Well, trust me, I promise you, if you met me for five minutes and you saw how hard I am on everything I touch, um, we put it through the ringer. And I mean, we'd fly all over the world. We've got, you know, stuff in cases in and out, people knocking it over. And so it's really cool because... By the time the bow hunters are seen and using that technology, we've already been rocking and rolling it, and it's been awesome. So Deadlock, I think, is by far their biggest um, achievement, I would say. I mean, that is, in the tuning world, it just makes it so much easier. I mean, you can pretty much tune almost any spine arrow out of one of those bows, which is not the case on a lot of uh, a lot of bows. So, I mean, uh, that is good. If you've got a really bad hand grip, if you've got bad form, I feel like Deadlock can help you, right? Like, you, you don't have to fix that, per se. Um, then they made time lock and i think time lock is actually more of an advantage for a bow hunter than it is a target archer most of the target archers were so used to using a bow press um 
and working on stuff ourselves. I travel with my own bow press. They've got bow presses here. So I don't use time lock in the sense that they um, would want us to use it. But bow hunting, if I was out in the field and my timing was off, it's so quick and easy. Anybody can fix it. And I think that's a really big benefit. The one so, other thing. So so I got to ask you, because, you know, everyone who's listening might not know what those two things are. Okay. So I need you to real quick, you know, explain what's deadlock, what's time lock. So deadlock basically allows you to take and walk your cam left and right on a worm drive. Um to help you tune it. So like other companies will have a shim system and you can like swap shims. You gotta pull the whole bowl apart to do that. With this, there's one set screw on the cam that you loosen and then you simply literally just turn a screw left to right and it walks your cam left to right. And there is a ton of adjustment in there. And you can do it on the top and bottom cam as well. So that's dead so, so you can basically go out in the range and you can paper tune your bow with just some Allen wrenches. Yes. The cool thing too is a lot of people are really concerned about their center shot. And a lot of the times it's like, okay, my bow wants to tune inside. My bow wants to tune outside. What do you do? Well, on some of these bows, you might have a little bit of room to shim your cams. But realistically, if your rest is stuck inside, it's going to be inside unless you change arrow spine. With this, you can set your rest wherever you want and then tune your center shot, basically tune, tune your arrow um, using the deadlock. And then deadlock is so reactive, which is great. That's what we wanted. That as soon as I get it really, really close, then I go to the rest for those last little adjustments. But for the most part, deadlock is all you need i mean it's pretty impressive you'll go out with like a wicked four inch tear and you're like oh no big deal we're pre-deadlock that would have been like oh man something's really wrong i'm gonna have to switch arrows i don't know what to do and now it's just like Poof, okay give me five seconds i'll move my cams and i'm good to go so it's been a really big advancement i think in archery for sure on the target side um and this is something i don't think they'll probably carry over into the hunting bows and they don't probably need to but um the flip disc pro module so what's different about that is most of the bows, as you're adjusting your holding weight, they either have a whole separate mod that you have to purchase, or they simply have you just move your stop. Well, as you move your stop, you're essentially changing your draw length to get the holding weight that you want. But what we did is design something that allows you to keep your stop still in place and just move the module, which is changing your valley length and changing your holding weight without having to change your draw length. And that's something, in my opinion, that's like revolutionary because now I can micro adjust my module to get the exact holding weight and the exact valley depth that I want and my drawing does not have to change. So that's been a huge thing for Target that I think has been actually my favorite addition to the Gen 2 from the Gen 1 on the Reckoning. Cool. And then time lock is? So time lock is an adjustment um, where the cables attach on the cam. You can basically just take and walk it up or walk it down. Um, so it's either tightening the cable or loosening the cable. So instead of having to put in a press, take the cable off and put twists in or take twists out to fix the timing, you can essentially just tighten the cable or loosen the cable to do that in the field. Um, quick and easy, it's on both cams. I was playing with it and I had enough adjustment that I could take my bottom cam like way ahead, all the way to even, and my top cam way ahead, only playing with one of the cams. So in other words, there's way more adjustment if you're gonna use both ends. Um, so that's been a really cool thing for bow hunters. I mean, I've been in the field before, even in Africa, my timing went off and, um, that would have been really nice to have. So, you know, we were talking Mark before we got them sitting down in here, like Paige shoots Bowtech. She's got really cool technology. She goes to Africa, does really cool hunts. And then there's Tate who's like, oh, I got darting and I like elk hunting and I don't go to Africa with Paige cause I like killing big bulls in Montana. So Tate, come on now, brag on your bows. What do you got? What's starting uh, doing? We literally turned the company completely upside down this year, redid everything from the target bows and the hunting bows as well. Um, on the hunting bows, we made an entirely new geometry of a riser, um, widened everything on it, made it a lot stiffer. 
fixed the grip, made it a lot more ergonomic so it fits your hand a lot more comfortably. There's no sharp edges. Everything just has like a really, really nice fit, comfortable feel to it. Um, widened the limb pockets, gave it a wider limb as well. Made the riser longer to increase stability. Um, and then we went to, we upgraded from like a 3 8 axle up to a quarter inch axle so you have a lot more stability there. All new cam system as well on the bow. So it's a super, super, super smooth bow. Um, so, so what's the name of the flagship hunting bow this year? The Sequel year? 31 and the Sequel 33. Well, what's it the Sequel 2? <laughs> hmm? What's it the Sequel 2? What was the original? Nothing. <laughs> I don't... Does that make sense, Mr. Demko? In my mind, sort of. It's all about the marketing and the branding. <laughs> exactly. So and then we did uh, on the Target bow, same sort of thing. Changed the riser completely all new cam system we tapped into a little bit to the old cam system that was on the vegas and then on the tempest but changed it slightly made it a lot more shooter friendly made it more um target oriented not more of like a hunting feel it has like an actual target feel to the bow now um stiffened up the riser a lot as well same thing with the limb pockets made everything wider so overall just made both bows way more stable and just super super easy to tune All right, Mark, I know what that's a sequel to. Well, you have to tell me, what is it? It's Tate. They named it after Tate because he's just switched to Darton this year. He was with Hoyt. So the sequel, this is Tate's sequel, and he is going to come <laughs> this year, and he's going to kill like a 400-inch bull with this new bow, and then he's also going to probably like win this tournament. What's the target bow called? The Departure or the Exodus. It is a, gotta, it is named after him because he departed and he he made his exodus from Hoyt. He departed to Darton and now he's got these target posts. So it's he's a new start for Tate on the target side and the hunting side. I can't believe they did that for you, man. Lucky they guy. Knew. They just knew. By the way, these batteries, the whole sound is better with these, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think we have more juice. Yeah. We're, we're powering these two up. They are going to go out there on the line. I'm smelling 50 grand for one of these two. You, you guys are the stars, but apparently the batteries are close behind. So Yeah, it's all about the batteries. Uh, okay, let's see. We got maybe five minutes tops, and we want to get you guys out of here with some time to, I don't know, have a drink of water and do your yoga or whatever you do before More like you shoot. Go pee. Now, now That's I gotta, important, too. Go get a Mountain Dew. Perfect got to caffeinate before yeah, well, yeah. that exactly all right so real quick hunting sounded like you you went to africa this past fall i did yeah i've been that's my fifth trip yeah I, she I, likes it i did i'm like addicted i love it there so much um i had a, i had a blast shot a lot of really cool animals had a ton of fun and yeah i'm always looking forward to going back there i also um I, I got two black tail in California with my bow. I shot a white tail in, or no, one with a gun with my bow. Then I shot a white tail in Nebraska with my bow. Um, and then Africa. And then I keep putting in from Montana and I just don't draw. So there's that. Eventually I'll get to go try and kill a big elk, but we'll see. <laughs> now you get a tag pretty regularly. Just, just don't go, just don't go where I hunt over in the Southeast. You don't hunt in the Southeast, do you? Mm -mm. No, 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 don't go over there. No, Northeast. Okay. That's the good North, stuff. Yeah. North, so north of Ekalaka. Mm -hmm. All right. So, sorry, we had technical difficulties. Batteries died. Paige, you went for the fifth time to Africa, and you killed what? Oh, man. <laughs> um, 
I shot a giraffe. That was interesting. Pretty controversial. People the whole Lion King theme. So you were like the social media uh, person to bash on for oh, a while? Yeah. yeah, for sure. I shot a lion a couple years ago. And yeah, I think the giraffe was worse than the lion. So there's that. But no, it was really cool. We did that. And um, I shot a really nice roan and a couple Impala. I finished off my Impala slam. Um, shot a steam buck. I shot warthog. I literally shot a lot of stuff. I shot a red gems buck, and those are, like, pretty rare, so that was really cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I don't even know. I shot a really massive porcupine. That was super neat. We did a lot of night hunting this time to kind of mix it up. But Night hunting? Yeah. You can do that? Yeah, it's Africa. What Everything do you, goes. You, you, what do you do? You spotlight it then? They or? have, like, a – you'll sit on a bait pile depending on – some things you can hunt that way, some things you can't. But I was trying to hunt, like, honey badger, porcupine. Um, bush pig and so you can bait those and so they just have like a little red light that hangs and you just sit and wait okay yeah. all right Turn we did we did new zealand texas oh, i forgot about that we both shot red stags in new zealand she shot oh yeah a, that's awesome uh, a ram as well yeah um an aeropawa ram and then we both went to texas both got axis down in texas and then i yeah. went i got a i shot a average run-of-the-mill antelope this year nothing fancy it was actually nice like a like a 70 um, inch yeah it's 70 72 probably just a decent goat nothing, that's a really good special one. it's really good the last um, three years he keeps killing goats like over 80 and so. then uh shot a really good elk again um actually more impressed with my deer i shot a really good deer in full velvet this year which is really cool i've been trying to kill a big mule deer in full velvet for quite a few years and finally got it done so that was that was definitely cool getting him mounted so i'm just waiting for him to show back up from the taxidermist right now awesome man well tell you what they're probably having more fun than just about anyone we know i forgot about new zealand <laughs> between between all the stuff they killed and all the stuff they won how can you top it absolutely hopefully you're gonna have another stellar year elk. starting right now 400 inch elk. That's the only thing that beats it. Would you? Okay. Well, we're going to end on this. What's your dream animal yet to be on your bucket list? Mine was a stag, truthfully. Like, from the time I was a little kid, I wanted to kill a red stag and I went and shot a hammer of a stag. So I was pretty stoked. That was my bucket list. So now I need to pick something new. All right. So, 400 inch bull mm -hmm. or LAS championship. What are you picking? 400 inch elk all day oh, baby oh baby 100 percent. all right page vegas 400 inch vegas elk. win or like sci gold medal stag or whatever it is vegas okay there you have it we know where their loyalties lie <laughs> besides to each other to hunting and target shooting guys thanks good luck thank in you the shoot thank you. go out there shoot a perfect score pocket the 50 grand just blow off the rest of the tournament and just go on a bender, like out on, on the town. Go go over. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> no, no. Go over, go over to Hershey and tell them you want to, like, strip naked and dive into a giant vat of molten chocolate. <laughs> well, there goes the 400-inch elk dream. So now they have bigger aspirations. Thank you. All right, guys, thanks again, and we'll see everybody next time on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand, or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.